Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast. We are so excited about today's call, but before we do get into that interview, we have Jesse Ledoux, former Miss International 2013 and our queen of coaching for our VIP membership. Jesse, tell us about the new product that you discovered. Hey, Stephen, I've been using the makeup eraser and I don't know how much money I've spent in the past on those one-off makeup wipes, try get all my makeup off, and then to wake up with raccoon eyes the next day. Um, so when I found the makeup eraser, all you do is you put water on it. It's like a cloth pad, and it takes all of your makeup off. And then the best part about it is I can actually throw it in the wash, and it's so durable. It can last actually up to 1,000 washes. So all the money that I'm saving on those one-off wipes, and all the time in the morning I'm saving trying to get off those Really stubborn raccoon lines for my mascara and my eyeliner is so precious. <laughs> the visual that you painted there was magical. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> now, at a pageant, um, is this something that girls can t- take with them? And what kind of, I understand the problems it's going to solve about getting the makeup off quick, but mm-hmm. tell us about how it could be specifically applied at the pageant. Well, Stephen, you might not be familiar with this, but pageant makeup can be very, very thick and heavy, and it's not always non-comedogenic. Non-comedogenic means that the makeup won't clog your pores. So when you have that caked on foundation that you need for the stage purposes, it can be so stubborn and it can really wreak havoc on your skin in the long term. So being able to allow your skin to breathe, allow it to oxygenate so it can bounce back quicker, you can have your collagen bounce back um, faster. And um, when you don't wash your face quickly enough, if makeup gets into your initial fine lines or expression marks, it can only make them worse. So um, this is really helpful when you're using those days where it's a marathon day with lots of makeup on, lots of oil. It just frees your skin and allows it to recover faster. Oh, my gosh. And when they're there at the pageant for a week, I mean, towards the end of the week, when the competition time's coming, you could actually start to look your worst instead of your best. Totally. And... This is a crazy stat to me. One month of not taking your makeup off can age your skin by 10 years. Wow. It's crazy. So it's so important. I know I know it's exhausting pageant week. You're on your feet all day at appearances and your rehearsals. But taking that 30 seconds to get your makeup off is the best thing you can do for yourself. Awesome. Okay, so give us the product name again, how much it costs, and, and where they can get it. So the product is the makeup eraser, and it's a cute little pink color, and it's twenty nine ninety nine. And I know that sounds steep for a makeup remover, but again, I was spending probably seven dollars on a pack of twenty five makeup wipes, and this thing has a, I can use it for a thousand washes. So when you break that down, it really is cost effective, and you can find it at our shop shop.thepageantplanet.com. Awesome! Thanks so much, Jesse. Thanks, Stephen. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. So I am super excited about today's call. Um, we have on the phone Savannah Bradford, Miss or International Miss 2015 for the International Junior Miss Systems. Savannah is an expert of the International Junior Miss Pageant System. She served as International Junior Miss Junior Teen back in 2010, and she's now the reigning International Miss. She's been promoting the three C's, crown, community, and confidence throughout her travels this year, which I, I want to hear about these travels because I'm quite envious of the IJM title holders because they go global. So Savannah, welcome to the call. 
Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you, Stephen, and the whole Pageant Planet community and all of our viewers and listeners at home. So thank you so much for having me out today. And I hope to enlighten everyone on the amazing organization that I represent, which is International Junior Miss. Yeah, and my first time there was last year when you were crowned. So I'm your good luck charm, self-proclaimed. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I was really... Pleasantly surprised by IJM. I just I fell in love with it. It's such a great culture and just a lot of really quality girls that um, that compete there. And when I was talking to Nikki, who if you are new to the um, system, she's the national director. She was telling me about all these crazy trips. So tell everybody that's listening where some of the places that you went this year. Well, we did um, what we like to call a state pageant tour, not only um, in the United States, but we also got a chance to hold workshops similar to the state pageants um, globally. And I've gotten to go to Australia to do workshops and work with the Australian delegation to get them ready for internationals, as well as we just got back from the Bahamas. We met with the Bohemian Queens and um, same thing, got to meet and greet with them, mingle, answer questions and get them ready for internationals. Um, but all of that was, you know, for workshops and um, getting to make a connection between our state and appointed title holders with our international um, royalty as well as our staff. But we've also gotten the opportunity, and I'm so, so, so excited. I always get giggly when I look into my passport and I get to check out all the different stamps of the different countries that I've been to. I mentioned Australia and the Bahamas, but we've also gotten a chance um, to go to England and and to France. And both of those travels were very, very early into our reign and all six um, of the international queens, so five of my sister queens and then including myself and our families got to go on these trips and we got to see the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. We got to have dinner at the Eiffel Tower, which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know there was a restaurant inside of the Eiffel Tower, nor did I know you could go all the way to the top of it. (laughs) So it was very much so a learning curve um, for me, but I think it's been amazing to share this experience, not only with, you know, my pageant family, but also with my immediate family. So now that everyone wants to compete in IJM and go to, to, to those amazing trips, myself included, <laughs> uh, let's talk about what does it take to actually be a successful title holder and to excel inside the organization. So in your mind, I mean, you've been doing this system for five years and I mean, six, if you include your reign, um, what's the key to being a successful title holder at IJM? I think that the most important quality that you have to have is the ability to be relatable. I think so many times pageant girls in general get a really bad um, rep and we have this negative stigma attached to us. And I think that if more girls in the pageant world would be relatable, then we would break down that barrier. Um, And IJM, it's really important that you're relatable because just like we were talking about, you're going to be traveling the globe. You're going to be traveling nationally and internationally. And, you know, it's important that as the face of the organization, that you are someone that's down to earth, that can make people feel something and that can make people feel special and realize, hey, I can be just like her. And I always try to tell girls that, you know, if you're relatable, then they got to know who you are as a person, as well as the title holder that, that you are and the one that you're becoming instead of just the title holder. 
Now, do you have a certain strategy? Because I feel like sometimes people are organically relatable, whether they're parents or great conversationalists, but not everybody is. So do you have any mm-hmm. tips or uh, books that you read or advice that you've been given that helped you stay down to earth despite your success in pageantry? Absolutely. I would just encourage table um, coffee table type conversations. At, you know, in my family, we talk um, over a meal all the time and it's, you know, how is your day going? And then that stints off into, you know, not just your itinerary of your day, but maybe who you met, maybe how that made you feel, what your plans are for tomorrow, for next weekend, for the summer. And so a lot of times I feel like myself included, we all put too much pressure on ourselves to have this perfect conversation and to say the right thing. Um, but I would encourage coffee table conversation, you know, talk to people that maybe, maybe you normally wouldn't, but talk in a way as if you already know them. So pretend like you're talking to someone that you respect, a family member, maybe a family friend, or even a teacher or advisor. Um, someone that you can interact with and still be yourself and show your personality and stay true um, to who you are, but you're also doing it in a polished manner. Another thing um, that I would tell girls um, as a piece of advice in order to be relatable is, you know, is is to kind of check yourself. You know, talk to someone that you feel comfortable that can give you constructive criticism. Uh, for me, that person just so happens to be my mom, but you know, maybe it's a little bit too hard for you and your mom to practice interview together or to have, you know, in-depth conversations. Maybe it's a best friend or a classmate, but you know, have someone that you can converse with that, you know, can, can lend a listening ear, but that can also tell you, you know, Hey, that really does sound like you, or that was very believable. Or, you know what? That kind of sounded like pageant fluff. Love that. And there's a certain trick that I've used, and this works if I'm talking to the trash man or like different celebrities. I always just make the conversation about the other person. Now, that doesn't always translate if you're inside pageant interview, but if you're at appearances or just every day, if you talk more, if you seek to be interested, people will find you interesting. So um, the... I do have a question regarding headshots for IJM. Do you think that like the headshots for IJM, uh, can they be more um, aligned with one system? Um, like, can you give us maybe another system that the headshots should appear like, or is there a certain flair that the headshots go for? Absolutely. So the good thing about IJM is that our photogenic um, category is completely optional. So aside from the program book and the website, you're really not going to need a whole bunch of photos. But most people, they do like to enter photogenic or they do want to put their best foot forward as far as a photo goes for social media um, or for the program book and the website. And so I would say IJM's look um, photogenically is, is more commonly aligned, I would say, a mix between Miss America and Miss USA. We want um, glam, you know, we encourage makeup that's totally fine. Um, you know, with IJM, it's, it's a whole production. You know, we're, we're videotaped and we're nationally televised this year for the first time ever. We're super excited about that. So we understand the importance of, you know, of lighting and makeup. However, where it comes into play with the Miss America side of things is we want girls to be age appropriate. So I kind of get lucky being a miss. I can wear a little bit more. I can wear the false eyelashes and the contouring and the this and the that. Um, But I would say, you know, be very, 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 very focused on being age appropriate and make that, you know, not just the makeup, but the hairstyle. And then, you know, outside of those two things, the wardrobe, you know, if you don't, if you're a preteen and you don't look like a preteen, then I think you should take a step back and kind of reconsider the overall look. Would it be, 
okay to say that the IJM headshot is like the conservativeness of Miss America, but with a model flair? Absolutely. Okay. Gotcha. Couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. Now, since you were a junior teen title holder, do you feel like that made it easier for you to win the Miss Crown? I do not. In fact, when I won the junior team title, I was on the older end of the division. I was 15 and I had never competed in the IJM before. And so I joke around saying, you know, I just got lucky. They liked what, for whatever reason, they liked me and it worked and we clicked. And I was learning about, you know, IJM as I was competing in it. And then during my reign, I learned even more about it. Um, so when I decided to come back in the Miss Division, it was an entirely different ball game. You know, not just because I had you know jumped in H Division, but I had jumped two. I went from being a junior teen to a Miss, and I think um, regardless of what system you're in, you know that's a huge difference. And um, as the Miss, you are. You know, you're the eldest of all the sister queens. And so I, I very much so take on a mother hen role. And I don't think that anything in my pageant career leading up to that could prepare me for that role. It was something that I had to feel internally and that I had to, you know, parallel with with my personality. Um, I do know that with my year as a junior teen, it lit a fire in me to come back because I had such a great experience during my reign with um, my sister queens, with the staff, with some of the opportunities and experiences that we that we had during that time. But not only have I grown in those past five years, but so has the organization. And so to come back uh, five years down the road in a completely different division with different girls, you know, it was very exciting. But I'll be honest with you, I was nervous. And I don't think that by me winning before, it helped me. In fact, maybe it made me a little bit more nervous because I wanted it so badly. Yeah. Now, and, and when I met you, you were in the teen division. So, I mean, you've navigated through you know junior teen, teen, and then miss. So, what's your best advice for ladies who are maybe aging out of one division and moving up to the next division? I would just do research. You know, if you're if you're doing a system, the first thing I do is check out their website, and and not that you want to try to mimic anything that is one one in the past because what works for one person doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate and work for another. Um, but I always find more confidence through education, and so I I like to educate myself on the system. So if you're if you're advancing onto a new group. Look at maybe what that next division looks like. You know, what is what's the status quo? What's the norm for that group? What's the look? Um, and I had to do a lot of digging in order to figure out, okay, well, what does it mean to be a Miss contestant? And I almost put too much pressure on myself about what it meant to be a Miss a Miss contestant. And you know, what I came to the conclusion is is that being a Miss contestant is, like I said, it's it's almost being being motherly in a sense, but you know, it's having fun. And it's, you know, you're, you're leading by example. And I stopped worrying so much about the look of a miss. And I started thinking more of what should a miss act like. And once I realized that, although I was on the younger end of the division, but I felt that I held some of those characteristics and traits that, um, that a miss title holder should have, could you, my confidence grew more and more. Could you give us what some of those characteristics are? So, I mean, the girls on the other side, they're just making that jump over that it'll really help calm their nerves. 
absolutely. I think, you know, one of the major characteristics is, you know, is leadership skills. So I think that leader, for lack of better terms, um, would be a major characteristic. And I think that that sounds very cliche. But if you are to really sit down and break down what it means to be a leader, I think that myths and leader are, you know, almost interchangeable. And so, you know, so many times people think, um, you know, pageant girls in general are our leaders and, you know, they're role models and, you know, they have to be responsible, but they don't think about it in the sense of, you know, not only am I a role model to people that I go out into the community and interact with or to sponsors or, um, or to kids that I may meet at an appearance, but I'm also a leader within the organization and with my sister queens being the Miss title holder. You know, I've got a teen, a junior teen, preteen, uh, you know, princess and junior princess that look up to me at all times. And so they, they have become very reflective based off of my actions and my reaction. So I think, you know, the first thing that you have to be is be a leader. I think you do have to be responsible. I think you have, um, you know, to be relatable. That word always comes back up. Um, those would probably be my top three. And, um, you know, and, and one that I can't really put into a word because um, it is going to be different for every individual. But um, I'll use a phrase instead is to, you know, just be true, be true to you. Don't overthink it. If you are, if you're a Miss title holder, you know, at this point you've been competing for a while, or even if you haven't, you've gotten a lot of life experience up until this point. Just be who you are. In an interview setting, if you are just, if you are natural, if you're honest, you're telling the truth, you don't have to remember what your answer is. You'll be able to speak from your heart. For, for the girls that might not be as familiar with IJM, can you let them know, does IJM, do they have appointed title holders or does everybody have to win a local or state to compete at nationals? So one of my favorite things about IJM is that you have two ways that you can go to internationals. You can take option one, which would be competing at your state or regional pageant. Uh, and you can do almost like a mini version of, of national. So you would compete in interview and fun fashion and evening gown and then optionals if you chose to sign up for those. And if you win one of those titles, <clears throat> then that would be, you know, kind of like your ticket to internationals and you would represent, uh, you know, Georgia or, um, Alabama or, or Mississippi or what have you. Um, the second option, whether you do your state pageant or not, you can go um, as an appointed title holder, which basically means that you pay a certain amount um, into a scholarship and you are sent in return a crown and a banner. Then you represent that title for the same amount of time that a state title holder would. So in the national sense, you're all on an equal playing field. It doesn't matter who won their title, who got appointed their title. The judges don't know which one is which. And you don't wear your banner into the interview room. And so, you know, although you do introduce yourself um, with your title, there's not one that weighs more than the other. And and like I said, the judges don't know, um, you know, who won what. And um, I've gone to nationals both ways. I've gone representing the Georgia title. Georgia is my home state. And I've also gone to internationals representing the Mid-South, which was an appointed title. They did not have a Mid-South pageant. So regardless of your schedule, regardless of if you've been to internationals or not, you know, if this is something that you're really, really interested in, 
don't worry, you've got two choices and two different paths that you can go down um, in order to get to internationals. So is there something that maybe an appointed, it would be really important for an appointed title holder to know going into the international competition? I would just, you know, I I would tell an appointed title holder, and one thing that I found myself as an appointed title holder is the importance of, you know, finding that community. You know, if you're appointed title holder, you may or may not have sister queens, but the great thing about internationals is that there are girls from, um, you know, for IJM at internationals from all over the United States and the globe. And because of social media and this internet community, you can Skype like we're doing right now. You can pick up the phone and call. You can text, email, Facebook, what have you and get to know these girls before you get there. So I would tell girls, you know, that are appointed is that you are no different. Um, You know, your experience is what you make it. And I would try to encourage them to reach out into this, you know, IJM community and get to know girls. So when you get to internationals in Virginia Beach, you feel like you already have some friends and that that you are, you know, you might not both be Miss Mid-South, but you both represent the same organization and you are parallel to one another going for that same title. So for someone who's trying to weigh, okay, do I want to try to compete and win the state or just go right in as a, um, an, a, an appointed, what's the benefit of maybe winning a state when you could just jump straight to international? I think the benefit of doing the state pageant, especially if you're a novice with IJM, is getting that stage time. You know, you do get your score sheets back, you get um, advice from your state director, constructive criticism, and then you get, you know, a whole team. Like I said, you get, you know, you get sister queens, um, you get a state director, and you kind of have this sense of community um, and a closeness sense of community from, from the beginning of, you know, pageant weekend ending all the way through internationals and beyond. So for me, I think it would behoove girls that are new to IJM to do their state pageant to kind of get a feel, you know, for what we're all about. Test the waters, you know, see see what we're looking for, see how you match up with the system. And, um, you know, if you, if you win the state title, then you can represent your home state or region at internationals. And, you know, if you love it, but for whatever reason, if you didn't win your state title, don't sweat it. You can always go appointed. What advice do you give girls with maybe lesser pageant experience? What do they need to know before competing on the state or maybe the international level? I think the best piece of advice that girls with less pageant experience need to know is that they need to know that they need to be prepared. Pageant week is always stressful, no matter what, no matter how much experience you have or that you don't have under your belt. So I think it is so important and so crucial to be prepared, expect the unexpected. And and what I mean by that is packing in advance and not just a day before you leave or the morning of. Pack weeks in advance. Create a pageant emergency uh, bag that has scissors and double stick tape and Q-tips and nail polish remover and things that we hope that we don't ever have to use. Um, But if we need them, then we do have them because for most of us, our home state's not Virginia and uh, we don't really know where everything is. And so if you have (laughs) everything together and you're prepared in your hotel room or um, at the venue, then you will find um, a lot more confidence and you will feel a lot more um, of calmed nerves in your surroundings is being prepared and then you know going prepared also extends to the you know to the extent of doing your research anytime you're signing up for an event or a pageant you know know what you're getting into watch videos uh you can watch you know 
clips and tidbits from internationals last year. You can learn about the current international queens and staff. You can read, you know, descriptions of, of what the judges are looking for in every single category. So for me personally, and from talking to girls um, that are new with IJM, the one thing that I've found is that no matter what, if you're more prepared and if you know what you're getting into, then then it's going to equal the playing field and everyone will go in there with a great amount of experience, whether you're new to the system or not. That's great. How did you prepare for the evening gown phase of competition? So for evening gown, my favorite thing to do was practice in the basement of my home. Uh, We have tile. We have like half the floor is tile, half the floor is carpet. And I would actually wear my nationals evening gown shoes and I would break them in weeks in advance. And I went through the blisters and the ouchies and all of that. But I would much rather have had that happen at home and I could heal up a little bit than happen, uh, you know, during pageant week. And so I would put on. Uh, some fast-paced modern music and I would put on my evening gown shoes and sometimes I'd be doing it by myself in front of the mirror sometimes I would have a little audience my family members or friends come over and they would become my judges Uh, but I would just walk and walk and walk until I felt comfortable about my presentation. And then when my dress got back from alterations, I was able to do mini dress rehearsals at the house. And that really gave me the opportunity to feel the movement of my gown, to see when I were to hit a pose, you know, how would that affect my fabric? You know, would it crease anywhere? You know, should I wear, you know, should I have my hands up? Should I have my hands down? You know, how I should wear my hair? All of those questions I got answers to before I got to internationals. Did you have someone help you with this routine or did you just kind of come up with it on your own? I would say a little bit of both. We have um, some amazing sponsors with IJM that host trunk shows throughout the year. And so I got the opportunity to work with Miss Luciera. And um, she's a modeling and runway coach out of New York. And so I got to work with her um, not only during my preparation leading into internationals, but she was also at internationals hosting um, lessons on location. And so between working with her and kind of coming up with a little bit of my my own spice and really blending them together to meet the requirements for the walking pattern, I was able to really, you know, find my confidence and and get excited about evening gown. And um, before before this year, I really kind of had the mentality that uh, evening gown was really slow. And, you know, for me, I always preferred uh, a more upbeat, faster walk. Um, which would be fun fashion. Uh, But one of the great things about IJM is that we're really modern. And so a lot of the music that is played during Evening Gown is is a song that you may know and love and recognize. And so it was very easy to walk and and, um, to show off my gown to a song that I felt comfortable walking to. Now, it does take a lot of confidence to deviate, especially from someone like Luciera, you know, who kind of maps out that walking pattern. How did you know at what point that, okay, I want to change this in the walk? Was it something that you just didn't feel comfortable doing? Did your gown dictate the routine? Did the stage? What what was that thought process? Well, the great thing about Lou is that it was very much so from the beginning, a collaborative effort. And so she was very vocal about uh, making sure I felt comfortable. And so instead of just laying out the routine and saying, this is it, Savannah, every single ex 
throughout the entire, you know, walking pattern um, had options to it. And so before I got my wardrobe back, you know, we played on a couple of different moves as far as, you know, what I felt comfortable in or what looked best for my look. Um, and then, you know, really what was the major decision makers after I had practiced all of those options at home was what worked best with my wardrobe. Yeah, I could see that. Now, speaking of your evening gown, how did you choose it? It's actually really funny because I would have never have thought if you would have told me, you know, uh, over a year ago that I was going to be wearing a green dress to IJM. Um, Nothing against green. I love green. It's always been one of my favorite colors. And I always do try to stick more towards jewel tones just with my um, skin coloring. However, I have always been a red girl and red has always been my my go-to color. And so when I was shopping for an evening gown, you know, my main focus was, you know, to find something that made me feel like a miss. Because again, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what is this concept of being a miss contestant? And so for me, it was more, more of a feeling, you know, I knew when I would put on an evening gown, um, if it felt right or not, you know, could I envision myself walking in this? And so it's, it's always funny to me, uh, when I'm shopping for an evening gown, because things that, you know, I may or may not have thought would have worked on me on the hanger end up being, you know, some of the, the best choices I could have ever made, uh, you know, for my skin coloring or for my body type or my height or what have you. And so when I saw, when I saw my dress on the hanger, I thought it was beautiful, but I just, I didn't know if it, you know, if it was me, if it was the dress. And I put it on, and sure enough, Stephen, I couldn't take it off. I mean, I was glued to it. And this is, you know, hard, uh, I think, for most pageant girls to envision, you know, what we will look like on the international stage because most of the time when you're dress shopping, you know, you have your hair and your makeup done, but it's a little bit more natural. You know, we're not stage glammed out. We don't have our spray tan on, our lashes, our extensions, all this great stuff. And so the fact I was able to capture that vision uh, from the very first fitting was just, it just blew me away. It was unbelievable. And so I knew in that moment in time that this was my, this was my dress. Did you go back after you did select it? Did you maybe do a spray tan or maybe a light tanning session and get your hair and makeup dolled up to go back and double check? Or did you just know that, you know, and just said, we're going to do it? I did not intentionally go back to do that. However, um, I did attend a trunk show and I had my pictures taken um, while I was at that trunk show. And so I got the opportunity to have my alterations appointment right after I got done with a photo shoot. And so I did get to see what um, what my hair and makeup looked like in the dress. I was not spray tanned, uh, but I did get, you know, I would say a major part of the equation for the look um, into play. And so that, that was my aha moment. I didn't, I didn't waver. I didn't doubt it, but it did make me feel better when I could see, um, a little bit more of a stage look with the gown. And clearly it converted for you for sure. Uh, (laughs) now at IJM, what are the judges looking for in evening gown? 
say that the you know the judges are looking for girls that are having a good time. I don't think that there is a set design, uh, you know, for a gown or you know a look that they're going for um, outside of just generally being age appropriate. So regardless of your age, you know, pick a pick a dress that is you know a great color on you that comp complements you know your figure and that you feel comfortable walking in because you are up there for such a brief amount of time you don't want to pick a gown that's too long for you or that is too uncomfortable for you to walk in because you've got a short amount of time to make a really big impact now probably the thing that i mean i most know ijm for is their fun fashion i mean i don't know if internally if it's as popular as what it's perceived to be externally but it just seems like it's a big deal um so you wore shorts with a jumpsuit and a, and a big overlay. I mean, would you, I guess, what do you recommend that girls choose for their fun fashion? And please, like, let me know, because like, I'm just curious about the fun fashion popularity. So when I think of IJM, I do think of fun fashion, and it's not necessarily just that category. I just think of fashion being fun in general, just because we are so fashion forward, we are so so model-esque, we are so trendy. And so it's funny that you, you know, kind of equate IJM with fashion because I do too. And uh, fun fashion has always been my personal favorite when it came to, you know, an onstage competition. And so I chose a, a shorts, you know, romper with an overlay train um, as mine because I wanted something that I could play with on stage. Um, I didn't want to just depend on a walking pattern, you know, in order just to go and hit a pose. I wanted something that, you know, I could turn and, and hold on to and that, you know, I could get some wind up under the fabric and it could really bring some drama to the stage. Um, I don't think that there is a an outfit that is going to be universal that's going to work for everyone but you will know when you when you find it and when you try it on if it's the outfit for you so i would encourage girls to try on several different styles you know try on a traditional cocktail dress try on um, you know a shorts outfit try on a jumpsuit outfit you know more of a pants link try something with a train a high low uh, i mean for me watching fun fashion is so exhilarating and so entertaining because you get a glimpse of, of people's personal style and uh, you get to see you know them let loose and really channel their their inner diva or their inner personality and so I think for that it is going to vary you know person to person uh, but for me it was you know the romper with the overlay well and, and am I right in saying this that whatever outfit that you put on if it makes you just kind of over the moon excited and makes you just want to immediately take off and start walking in a fun peppy peppy way that you're you're probably pretty close to finding your fun absolutely. fashion absolutely if it makes you you know want to do the catwalk and pretend that you are on the tire bank show and America's next top model then you know that you have found the outfit for you. I am um, very similar to my evening gown. When I put on my fun fashion, I did not want to take it off. In fact, I paraded around the store. I paraded around my house. I paraded around the coaching studio. I mean, I wore that thing everywhere that I possibly could without getting it dirty. And so when, when you have the right outfit on, if it makes you smile ear to ear and if it makes you feel beautiful, then you absolutely have found the right outfit for you. Now, are there certain parameters that Nikki or their state directors give the judges during the fun fashion phase of competition? I mean, is there certain things like they tell the judges to look for? 
To be honest with you, I am not sure what um, what is said during the brief. I know that age appropriateness is always really, really big, um, but I know that they're looking for, for someone that's comfortable in their own skin and that can be confident and that can be consistent. But as far as breaking down what they're looking for in every single category, um, I am not sure because I have never been um, in a judge's briefing before. Okay, so now let's transition on to interview, which is round robin type. Mm-hmm. And um for example, well, for the people that might not necessarily know, can you explain what round robin is? So a round robin interview basically means that you are going to go in a circular type fashion throughout a room and you're going to get to talk one-on-one with each judge. So instead of having one interview with a whole panel, you're going to have one with each judge. So um, normally round robins are a shorter amount of time with each judge because you do have to span out over the course of an entire panel. Um, but I personally prefer a round robin because you can make it, you can make more of a connection with each judge instead of talking, you know, five against one, you can talk one-on-one. Completely agree. Now, what types of questions were you asked in interview? And if you can even remember back to your junior teen days, kind of give the difference of what questions were asked then and what questions were asked in the miss. Absolutely. So back in my junior teen days, it is a little fuzzy, but some of the main things that I remember are, you know, more about what my interests and my hobbies were. And, you know, they were very, very general Judges, I don't think in any category across the board, any age division category at IJM are trying to stump you. So not to say that my Miss interview was, you know, was very, very challenging. Um, It wasn't. They weren't trying to stump me. However, they were looking for a little bit more um, in depth, I think, um, in the Miss interview. So with Junior Teen, it's very fun. You know, it's very it's very personalized. You tell me about yourself. What are, you know, what are some things that you enjoy doing? What are some of your hobbies or talents or interests? Um, whereas in my Miss interview, it was more of, you know, what was, what was my plan of action for, for my reign? Or if I could travel to anywhere with the title, where would it be and why? And um, if I could give one piece of advice to anyone, especially a sister queen, you know, what might that advice be? And um, the great thing about it is I got to talk to some of my friends that were also competing in the Miss Division after um, the interview uh, portion had taken place, and we all got different questions. So I love to hear that, that it's not, uh, you know, just a cookie-cutter interview sheet. In fact, we didn't even have an interview sheet at Internationals um, last year. And so it really was a free-flowing, fluid conversation. And um, you did introduce yourself, and the questions kind of stint off from there. And I remember very vividly my fourth judge asked me about education and in my introduction you know I talked about you know where I'm from my home state I talked about my age and I talked about you know some things I'm passionate about and I talked about being an early childhood and special needs educator as well as focusing in ESOL and so that is where my entire interview took off was into education and, you know, what more comfortable to talk about than something that I live and eat and breathe and sleep every single day, which is my major. And so it, it was very personalized. And although they did want to see, you know, what I would do as a Miss title holder, it was still very much so getting to know me, Savannah. Regarding what you wear in interview, does IJM, does a trend to IJM tend to navigate more towards like a dress fashionable that way or the interview suit 
I would say that in general, they're really heading more towards dresses only. Um, I don't I'm, I don't recall if it says you know in the paperwork that you are not allowed to wear a suit. Um, I think that especially with the little girls, they do tend to wear suits um, or a mix between suits and dresses. Whereas the the senior divisions, which are junior, teen, teen, and miss, um, really only wear dresses now. Uh, but that all plays off the idea of you know being modern. You know I don't think it's natural. Uh, I can speak for myself, you know, for a 21 year old to wear a suit that looks like I went and got it out of my mom's closet from when she was in corporate America, you know, 20 years ago. They want to see something that, you know, definitely is professional and that it is conservative and you're able to put your best fit forward in. However, it's something that you would actually wear. Yeah, I, I'm venturing to say like within the next five years, the, the suit phase will probably have fizzled out in most all organizations. Um, so what tips do you have for making connections with the judges in the interview process? I think that if you are, you know, if you go in there and, you know, you're all smiles, if you're excited, you know, if you even turn the question around on the judges, you know, if they ask you, how are you? It is totally okay and acceptable to ask the judges how they're doing as well. And if you find a common denominator between the judges and and yourself and one of your answers and their responses or uh, maybe something that they're wearing or about their appearance, um, then make that connection and you know that's that's the beautiful thing about natural conversation is that it's not forced it you know it it flows by itself and on its own and um in fact in one of my interviews at ijm i talked about one of my new year's resolutions being um that i was going to run a 5k every single month and um, I did end up achieving that, but it was so funny because um, the next follow-up question, or I'm sorry, the question that led into that was uh, my judge asking me, you know, tell me something about you that I wouldn't guess. And, uh, you know, I went on to tell my judge that. I said, well, you don't know me, so this doesn't surprise you. But to anyone who does know me and all my friends, they, they think it's hysterical that I chose that as my New Year's resolution because I am not a runner. I don't like cardio, but I always make sure that I follow up with a cupcake after every 5k. Um, so I don't feel like I worked too hard. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So now, I mean, I know your mom, I've met your mom, spoke with her on the phone. She's amazing. So I feel like you've had a lot of organic practice in interview and just conversations growing up. But I mean, did you do something outside of just coming from an awesome family to, to actually practice and prepare for your interview. We've never really had a formal interview practice within the family. Um, it's always been very conversational based and it's really funny because my mom loves to catch me off guard. And so we could be in Kroger getting groceries to make dinner for the night. And then all of a sudden she asks me an interview question. And so it always allows me and it makes me, uh, think on my feet, which is what an interview is all about. You know, I mean, you might go in there with an idea of, of what you might want to talk about or what you think you might be asked. Um, but in all reality, you know, none of us really know. And so, uh, that's, that's me and my mom's way of practicing interviews at the grocery store while dinner is being cooked or while we're driving in the car on the way somewhere, you know, she'll just kind of randomly throw a question out at me, uh, for, (laughs) for interview. And it's always interesting, you know, I'm sure for her to see my facial reactions 
<laughs> to some of these questions because, you know, here I am jamming out to Luke Bryan and then all of a sudden I'm serious and I'm in my interview. So um, that's the that's the, the tactic that we use. I also like um, to practice interview privately with myself and um, I like to put my thoughts on paper. And so I use the strategy of using index cards and I will come up with a potential interview question that I will write on the solid um, side of an interview index card. And then on the flip side where it has lines to it, I will put the ideas that I want to go into that answer in bullet, um, in bullet proof or bullet format. So I will, you know, think about, you know, what are my top two or three things that I want to say? And so I'll practice with my index cards. Um, I'll read the question, you know, out loud to myself and I will try my best to answer it without looking at my trigger words or without looking at my um, my little bullet points that will that will give away the idea I want to go. And if I get stuck, no big deal because my answer is not written word for word on the back. But there is a word that will signal to me the direction I would want to go into it. And so I can flip the card over and I can read uh, the bullet points, and then it's up to me, you know, to formulate that into a sentence format. Um, that's really great. And it, interview is not about training for muscle memory. However, that's a great way for me to find and build confidence um, because I do get anxious. You don't know what someone's going to ask you and you want to put your best foot forward. You want to impress. You know, it obviously means something to you. Everyone that's there wants to win. Um, however, I found that every just about every single question that I put on an index card was not asked to me in my in my real interview. And so I think that's the beauty of now natural conversation is that, you know, you don't have to remember anything. You go with the flow, you're reflective, you are who you are. And um, if you stay true to yourself, then you're going to have a great interview no matter what. So when you're creating your note cards, did you kind of zero in on a certain type of question that you focus on writing down and writing on the other side, the bullet points of this is kind of how I want to answer it? The one thing that I didn't write down down, I didn't write down anything that was religious or current events um, or controversial type questions because IJM does not go into those types of questions in an interview. So I did not even bother writing those on index cards, but I wrote down things that are just as easy and simple to talk about, like hobbies and interests all the way through, you know, what my plans are for the future and, you know, what is a quote that I live by or, you know, traveling opportunities or maybe how I felt that I paralleled with the system. Awesome. Now, NAM has uh, IJM. They have a lot of optional competitions. So, what are some of those optional um, competitions that they have? IJM has a lot of optionals. We have talent. We have spokesmodel, and we have casual wear and photogenic. We even have photo shoot type optionals where you can get in front of the camera and model for a set amount of time. And if you win, you can get those pictures, get access to those, and they're with a great photographer. And so um, we have tons and tons and tons of optionals to choose from. And in fact, most of those are earlier into the week. So they're before all the stage events. But me personally, when, um, when I competed last year, I did casual wear, I did photogenic, and then I did a new optional for me, which was called media correspondent. And um, that was a little bit of a challenge. I'm not going to lie. We had to memorize a script and you would recite it in front of um, in front of somebody. 
and it was, you know, it was judged. And if you, you know, went through to the next round, then you actually got recorded and you would be featured and filmed on um, IJM TV, which is our IJM YouTube channel, as well as, you know, the website. And even, you know, if they found a way to kind of live stream it from the actual show. And so they had someone kind of broadcasting or news reporting um, about IJM and what was coming up as people were sitting in the audience waiting for the show to start. So that was really, really cool. And that was a great way for me to shake nerves. Um, Media Correspondent was actually judged, um, the first round was actually judged the day of orientation. And so it was long before my interview, and it was a great way for me to just get up there and talk about IJM and why I love it. And so that was a phenomenal way for me to get ready for interview. And then also casual no, I was I'm just sorry, saying that. What? I was just saying that is such a cool optional. Oh, absolutely! It was very cool, and it was a challenge. And I, I would say that uh, it was a challenge for me because I've never done anything like that. Whenever I have been filmed or I've talked to people um, about IJM or even myself, it's always been free flowing. You know, it's thinking on your feet, or you know, maybe having a little something prepared, but not you know something word for word verbatim. And um, I've never really had much experience. Uh, broadcasting anything and so you know for me it was it was a great way to try something new and I always try to do that every year at international is uh, internationals is to try a new optional and get to see a little bit more about you know what IJM is and so that was really fun a great way to kick off the week and then I also did casual wear and casual wear was probably the best thing that I did that I signed up for throughout internationals because it was before Preliminaries. It was the day before preliminaries last year, and I got up there and I was able to, you know, get a feel for the stage outside of rehearsals. I actually wore the same shoes that I was going to wear in my fun fashion in casual wear, and um, I went with a really simple nude pump, and so it was very interchangeable. It worked with both outfits, but I got, you know, my walking pattern my shoes and I got an idea of, you know, what I was, what I was going to do the next day, um, during the casual wear, you know, portion. And it was fun. And I, I loved the outfit that I wore, wore a red jumpsuit. It was very comfortable. Um, and it was very much so, uh, my personality and the design of it. Um, it was great, but I think the best thing about casual wear, it was an opportunity for me to shake my nerves before it counted towards the crown. So if I could give um, a piece of advice to anyone that's going to internationals is at least do casual wear if you're going to do optionals. Um, if you want to do more than just casual wear, then that's great. But if you had to choose between all of them um, um, and only do one, I, I would recommend casual wear. Now, if there was maybe one or two benefits that you've discovered in competing in the optionals, what would those be? I think the first benefit is, you know, it's an instant confidence booster, you know, good, bad or ugly, no matter, regardless, and no matter how you, you place or you think that you did, it's a great way to warm up and realize, okay, that was great. That worked, or this is what I need to do to change before, 
before preliminaries and finals. The next thing I think it would, you know, get you to do is it would get you, you know, the opportunity to express yourself through different events. And so especially for girls that are doing spokesmodel and talent, you know, they're able to really give a glimpse of, you know, of who they really are as a person. With your spokesmodel speech, it's very individualized. And so you write that speech and, you know, you talk about, you know, whether it be, you know, a charity of choice or an issue of concern as, a, as in a platform or if there's just, you know, something that you feel really led and compelled to talk about, then, you know, you can enlighten a whole audience and you can make a change um, really nationwide because there's people, you know, nationally and even internationally sitting in that audience. And so if you have something to say, I think Spokesmodel is a great opportunity to say it. Um, and then, you know, as far as talent goes, same thing. If you're born and you have a God-given talent, um, what an incredible way to express yourself in front of, you know, in front of all those people, um, your audience, your judges, you know, your peer contestants. Um, I think, I think optionals is a great way to get warmed up, but it's also a great way to, you know, un unveil your identity in pageants. That's great. Now, one of our favorite questions to ask title holders like yourself is what item under $20 is a must have for girls who are going into pageant week? So I'm going to give you two different items because these to me are almost interchangeable and this is going to sound really silly, but this just shows you like how much of a, of a glamorazzi I am. Um, the first one is water. Uh, you have to have water. I always go to Walmart or Target, the nearest store, and I get a big old case of water of like 24 or 36 or 48 um, water bottles so that I'm staying hydrated throughout the entire week. It's great for your skin. It's going to keep you from, you know, getting sick. You're going to sleep better. Uh, you're just going to feel better. Overall, you'll be more focused. Um, you need, need water, but just like how I need water, I need false eyelashes. Like I love me some false eyelashes. So my two items would be water and false eyelashes. You can probably get them at the same place. Uh, really uh, one in the beauty aisle and then one in, one in the drinks. But, um, for me, those two go hand in hand during pageant week. And as far as false eyelashes go, I would try to recommend something that is a little bit more subtle and natural. You know, no crazy colors, uh, but, you know, finding finding some lashes that really, you know, complement um, your eye shape and that are going to open up your eyes um, so that you can look your personal best on stage. And I could hear that passion because you were, like, clapping your hands while talking about false eyelashes. So pretty passionate yes, like i love <laughs> them like <laughs> pageant girl don't judge me like hashtag lashaholic um i don't discriminate i like all lashes i like all brands i i love false eyelashes in fact i've even looked into doing like lash extensions just in like my everyday life um i think that eyelashes can um, really frame your eyes and and then your eyes really help frame your face so for me uh, $20 or less must-have would be water and false eyelashes. <laughs> awesome. So now I know that the listeners, they can find IJM on the pageant planet by going there and clicking find a pageant. Um, but why don't you give us like their direct URL and, and maybe some of the social platforms that they are most active on? 
absolutely. So in order to keep up with all of our information, you can um, keep up with us at internationaljuniormiss.com. That is our international website. And there are so many tabs that have pictures and videos and descriptions of content um, about, you know, what nationals is like. Um, you get to meet and greet with staff and the international queens. You get to see, you know, <clears throat> what all we've done throughout our year. And then you get to find out about upcoming events and state pageants um, as well. And, and so, so, so much more. So that would probably be the first thing that I would say is make sure that, you know, you are logging on to internationaljuniormiss.com um, in order to get all of your IJM info. However, we are on every single social media platform um, that I can even think of. We're on Instagram. We have a Snapchat. We have a Twitter. Um, so we have a Periscope. So if, if you go into the search bar and you type in IJM or International Junior Miss, um, not only will our international page pop up, but so will all of our um, international title holder social media accounts. And I would encourage people, you know, not only just to learn about IJM, um, to reach out to us, but, you know, if you want to learn about us, if you want to ask us personal questions, if you want to, you know, become friends, whether you end up competing in IJM or not, um, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Um, we love, love, love to meet people from all over the world and, you know, talk to them about why we love IJM. So please don't hesitate. Um, in fact, my two favorite forms of social media with, um, with my title, um, are my Instagram, um, account, which is Savannah Nicole four. And my username is international miss 2015. And that is where I post just about every appearance that I do. I post a lot about my, my travels, about girls that I come into contact with, um, and everything IJM. And then as well as my Facebook like page, um, which is IJM International Miss. That's awesome. Well, I mean, thank you so much for all of the advice, Safana, that you've given us. It has been extremely valuable. I know that you'll get a lot of followers with girls following up and asking you a lot of questions. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I've had so much fun talking to you, Stephen, and I am looking forward to the emails and um, the outreach that we're making. And um, I sure hope to see a lot of these girls at IJM. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.